Hey everyone, welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Today I sat down with my friend Chad Hasten, my expert on all things cannabis. I wanted to have Chad back to talk about legalization 2.0 and what extracts mean for the cannabis industry and Canadians in general. Personally, I know very little about the cannabis industry, so it's great to have Chad to be able to ask questions. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Full disclosure, we are not drinking a beer right now. No. I am with my friend, Chad Hasten. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm also doing very well. Today, we're going to talk... So you're going to become kind of a recurring guest on my podcast. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they told me that at the front. At the reception? Yeah, at the reception, told me that when she gave me my uh, black coffee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love you're painting a scene of my office that doesn't exist, but it makes it sound like I have a receptionist. Well, you had somebody sitting somewhere. That's true. That a receptionist would sit. And she came to my office and said, there's a chat here for you. I'm like, okay, you don't have to whisper. It's all good. I could hear anyways. Yeah. So you are going to be, I know you don't like using the word weed, but you're my weed guy. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So today we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about marijuana, the next phase of it, which is you're calling legalization 2.0. Yes. But before we get to that, I just, from our last conversation, mm-hmm. when you came in, mm-hmm. you had told me that you would probably be bringing me a lasagna at some point, And that hasn't happened. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And I also have not made lasagna Oh, since. So I, did I tell you I make them in bread? Yeah. yeah. You're on the list. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about legalization. If if it's okay with you, I just kind of want to recap. Please. Because you're saying legalization 2.0. What was legalization 1.0? To be fair, we just we just called it legalization at that point. Right. Typically, the numbers uh, follow the Jaws way of, of labeling movies. Okay. And you don't start with two until there's a second. Right. Like I said to my kids, let's watch Toy Story 1. Yeah. And she's like, it's just Toy Story. So they get it. Yeah, (laughs) my kids get it. I still don't get it. That's okay. It skips a generation. The first one was dry flour and cannabis oils, which I'm sure if you haven't been to a legal cannabis retail store by now, you probably don't care to go. But if you have been in there, you've seen a a wide selection or at least a growing selection of dry cannabis that you can smoke or vaporize and oils that you can ingest, not the type of oils that you can burn. Right. Uh, And that's pretty much all that they allowed for the first year. And then, of course, they said that the next round, which came just this last year, 2019. So sorry, the first two years, they just had the dry flower. And then on October 17th of 2019, they officially legalized the concentrates, edibles, beverages, topical lotions, pretty much the rest of the gamut of cannabis products. Because I have been to the marijuana stores, the cannabis stores, (laughs) and... Yeah, I wouldn't say the selection was vast. No, it's it's getting better. It's getting better. But I think uh, I, I was at a conference a little while ago, listening to somebody that knew a lot more about it than I do. Yeah, and he his chart suggested around late 2021, uh, supply and demand will meet. Will meet. Okay. So now with legislation, le- sorry, legalization 2.0. Well, you weren't wrong because there's a whole new batch of legislation right. that goes with it. Yeah. What's coming out with this round then? So this is pretty much everything. Okay. 
concentrates, which based on consistencies, and I think we're going to do one where we go a little bit uh, deeper into the different types of, of concentrates or extracts that you can get. But typically, concentrates are drawn from the cannabis flowers so that you get exactly what's suggested by the name, a more concentrated product. So you're not getting the leaf or a lot of the smoke or a lot of the negative things that people associate with smoking a doobie that might still want to get the benefits of cannabis or for seasoned consumers might need something a little stronger and don't necessarily want to sit there smoking joints all day (laughs) to get to the potency that they want. So this next level will really cater to them as well. It's a lot easier to control or at least understand the dosage and exactly what you're taking with extracts and concentrates, which is a big deal even on the medical side. Because again, anyone that's gone and bought dry flour in a dispensary or retail cannabis store over the last few years can attest to the percentage of what they're getting, not necessarily matching the percentage of the menu that they were looking at. Okay. Again, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but cannabis is a plant. It's not a it's not a processed uh, product that you can control with absolute efficiency and accuracy. You can do that on the concentrate side a lot easier, but with dry flour, you typically get a range for what that strain by that producer will be. So if it, if you're if you're looking to get a 24% THC, and again we've seen a real race to the high percentages of THC, you might order one that says that, but it might actually come out only at 20% or 21% because of that specific batch. So again, you don't necessarily know what you're getting every time, even though you might've bought that flower several times before it could come not completely different, but, but different extracts kind of help with that as well. It allows us to make tinctures that can be used in cooking. So those that don't want to smoke at all can put it into edibles, beverages. These can be put into topical lotions as well. So there's a lot of pain relief that can come from using cannabis creams and that, but again, that was not allowed in the first legalization, they, they didn't do that. Okay. So why did they do this in steps? Like, why not just say, okay, it's all legal now? Well, you're assuming that the communication surrounding the why behind everything that happened in the last couple of years has been clear, which it has not, but you can kind of, that there's, there's different rules of thought, I guess, yeah. uh, generally speaking, the slower you do something and you roll it out, the safer it would be. Right. I think there was concern with the way that Colorado uh, and even you know Los Angeles uh, rolled out their legalization because they just pretty much opened the doors and said, here you go, here's the kid in the candy shop. The result was some negative experiences. You, you probably read online some horror stories of people eating too much edibles and, and freaking out because they didn't know what they were doing. Right. And similar to picking up a a bottle of tequila and pounding the entire thing. The first time you drink, you can have a bad time. Yeah. That's not the fault of tequila. Although I'm not here to defend tequila, yeah, exactly. nor am I here to judge it. Yeah. But it did cause a lot of, I guess, learning pain, right. growing pains, learning pains that they wanted to avoid here as well. They didn't feel they had an accurate or consistent way of measuring dosages. So they didn't trust the producers to come to the table two years ago and say, this is exactly how much is in it. And I can prove it. Even now we, we said it's legal on the 17th, but there's a 60 day waiting period before you'll see anything. So that's why a lot of people are like, what do you mean it's legal? I've been yeah. in the store in the last month. There's nothing. There. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. Cause okay. yeah, it's legal now, but yeah. It, where is it? I guess is. So it's in a 60 day waiting period. Now, first of all, I don't want to 
tease anybody with this idea that there's a ton of products coming to the market all at once coming in December after the 60 day waiting period is up. I personally don't really know how many products there are. I know how many we have as a company and we have several, but basically you have to announce your intent to sell to the AGLC. And then there's a 60 day period where you go through a ton of testing and, right. and process. So we should start seeing products that have made it through all of those tasks um, and, and hoops to jump through in mid-December. Mid-December. Yeah. Because the one thing when, when shops first started to open, I was always skeptical because, you know, like my parents, for example, they don't smoke cannabis, right? And so I thought, well, now that it's legal, it's not like they're going to... That was never the hump that they had to get over. It just, they didn't like it. They were, they're in their 70s. They were told as kids, that's, you know, the devil's drug, whatever. Lettuce. Yeah, devil's the lettuce. The devil's lettuce. And so I, I knew that it wouldn't really change their behavior. I feel like edibles is a little bit different in that even with my mom, I've had conversations. Like I said, she's in her 70s. So she is, you know, she's in pain sometimes. And I used to think like, oh, you know, just take an Advil if you're... I realized as you get older, it's more chronic pain that you're dealing with. And so I'm thinking about it going, well a lot of the drugs that they take aren't really good for them. You know what I mean? So we're actually starting to have conversations about, you know, cannabis and stuff like that. I feel like the extracts and the edibles and the topicals are the ones that the older people are going to look at and be like, okay, I might do that. Cause my dad doesn't want to walk into a room smelling like he just smoked a joint. That's probably part of it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree hundred percent. It's funny. You touched on a couple things there. Those darn boomers yeah. and older. You give them a pill, they pop it without question. Without question. You offer them a plant and all of a sudden they become research experts. My theory on that, if you want to know, even though you didn't ask. I'm is inquisitive that, by nature. Yeah, yeah. No, I know you are. My theory on that is that when I look back at like, you know, my parents, your parents, they would have recalled, you know, diseases like polio and, you know, all these things, measles that were really harmful and were killing people when they were young, right? Yeah. Like they would have known kids and family members that died from these things. All of a sudden, science eradicated these things. And so it was, take this shot, this injection, and you will not get the measles or you will not get... And so anytime the guy in the lab coat told you to do something, it was like, yes, sir, right away, sir. And so they trusted that because they saw that it saved lives. That same person was saying, marijuana is bad for you. So it was just like, hey, if he says marijuana is bad for me, it's bad for me. So the drugs that they take, it's because the pharmacist for years was just saying, or the doctor was just saying, these are the ones that are good for you. These are the ones that are bad for you. And that generation saw a lot of people whose lives were saved as a result. And so they just, they ignored maybe even common sense sometimes and just went, and if the professional says it's good, then it's good. So I think that's why my dad personally despised, because he will take any pill you give him without a question. I've never looked at it quite like that. And the way you just put that was incredibly insightful. I think that, I think you hit it right on the head. Yeah. Because it's, you're right. There's more to it than just trusting a doctor because at, yeah, that's, I'm not even, I'm not going to try to reiterate it. You put it perfectly. And, and this next legalization is exactly for them. But but as well for me, I, I think we spoke last time about how I, I've got two kids under four and a wife that, you know, isn't a hippie. 
She yeah. doesn't want me coming, walking in reeking like cannabis. Right. And there's always going to be a stigma. Same with someone reeking of cigarettes. I, I can think of nothing grosser than walking into an elevator with someone that just came back from, well, I can think of a few things that are grosser, but it's pretty gross. There's <laughs> yeah. the point, right? You're speaking in generalization. I am really that, Yeah. But these new topicals in that, and they're also, to your point, super effective. They, they don't have the negative ingredients or the irresponsible ingredients or the untested, soon to be part of a class action lawsuit ingredients that you hear about with mainstream pharmaceutical and, and big farm. Yeah. So topicals are going to be great, but you can also, just as a side note, I think I've mentioned, I work for a company called Cannabis, and we have a, a product that is made just from the roots of the cannabis plant that's not regulated by Health Canada, has very low cannabinoids, but it has a ton of other natural ingredients that help with arthritis and inflammation, you know, dry skin, itchy, irritable, all kinds of stuff. So I think the cannabis plant is due for a rebrand and that's happening right now. And no better audience for that rebrand than, you know, that older generation. With the old hip problems and I have and the really- opioid addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that. it sounds callous, but that is that, that uh, demographic is suffering way more drug overdoses than anyone else. And it's drugs given to them by the lab coat guy. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Really dumb question here, but Hey, you're here and I get to ask you questions. So what is the difference between, you know, legalizing this and having just decriminalized it? What would the difference have been from a, from a marketing perspective? The sale of it, I guess. You just can't. Okay. So because it's legal, you can sell. But if they were just to be like, it's decriminalized, you wouldn't be able to have a shop and. Yeah. I mean, you say dumb question, but you actually threw a pretty intelligent question my way. My understanding is that if it's not legal, if it's just decriminalized, if it's not legal, then you can't build a business around it. Yeah. In which case, because cannabis was decriminalized here before it became legal. Okay. I thought. Yeah. No, I don't Certainly know. if it's medical, I think it has to be decriminalized. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Don't quote me. I don't know anything about this. I'm, I'm a marketing you on guy. Everything. So it's already been legal before yeah. it crosses my desk. Yeah. Yeah. So December, we're going to start seeing some products. I you, hope so. You had mentioned that that the company that you're working with is working on a few things. What what would that be? We're doing all kinds of stuff. So we have several pillars within in our business. We have a lifestyle brand. So we're doing some of those creams that I just that I spoke of. But we're also well positioned to lead the province, if not the, the country, in extracts in general. So again, these concentrates and the processes that you use and the recipes that you have, recipes in quotes, is you know, just the, the way that you do it, the equipment you use to create these extracts that are pure, that are able to provide you with everything you want and nothing that you don't is the next wave of this legalization. And there's only a few licensed producers in the province that are able to do it. And then of course, just because you're able to do it doesn't mean that you're an expert in it. Uh, It's a real interesting world of turning to those that we tried to put behind bars for decades to help us on this legal side of things. Yeah, And you're seeing a lot of black market, reputable black market people getting recruited over to all kinds of different business sides of things. It's fun. I feel like from a consumer's perspective, it's like prohibition for, you know, in the 20s or whenever it was, like when all of a sudden alcohol is legal again and everyone's like, all right, so what's going to happen now? So, yeah, I think the advantage they had back then is they knew what it was like before here and to the point of Canada rolling this out very slowly. We don't really know what we're going to see and we're trying to limit the negative backlash. Right. And because of that, you'll see a lot of rules around this legalization, a lot that you might have become familiar with. Based on the first round, you're not going to see advertising anywhere that a child could see it. 
packaging is not going to be attractive, which makes my world of marketing just so fun. You're not allowed to have, I think, more than 10 milligrams for THC percentage or sorry, amount in like a chocolate or a candy or something like that. I think they're really limiting even what you're allowed to make as far as candies and stuff, because they don't want any product to be appealing to a child. Right. And then the topicals, I believe are a thousand milligrams that you're allowed to put into the actual cream as far as the dosage goes. So all of that to say that if you do go in and buy the most that you're allowed to, not only are you likely going to get a warning and an education from the staff in the store whose interest is in you having a good experience so that you come back, but you're also going to find that there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to overdose, probably get the diabetes before you get any kind of <laughs> THC overdose. So you mentioned it, and I was reading a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago, is the rules around the marketing of it. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that, it, yeah, it makes what you do marketing the product really challenging because it's challenging to to really come up with a brand like that would be recognizable to the general public. Yeah, it's true. In store and behind the 18 plus age gates, yeah. uh, 19 plus or 21 plus, depending on where you are, you can really do whatever you want. Okay. So it's more about building that community of people that want what you offer and then keeping them engaged, rewarded, educated, and then brand aware. Myself, I have exercised in dummy packaging. So even if we can't create packaging that makes it to somebody's home, I've always encouraged the brands I've worked with to have dummy packaging. Only a few have have done that. Our company has done that. So when you go into a few stores, you can see a coming soon display of our brand that is rather eye-catching. Most stores now, they either have the cannabis out of sight. They might have a little in a sensory jar that you can look at and smell and shake around. But for the most part, you're just seeing the same awful, unattractive, packaging from the AGLC that everyone has to has to have. And yet it's filling gorgeous display cases and capturing nobody's interest. So from a marketing side, there are ways that you can influence your brand and, and, and help it out. But again, it's it's more of the owned and and earned than the paid medias. Yeah. And we were chatting about this a little while ago with with radio and all that stuff. I mean, you can't overtly advertise on on radio and and all those things it would just be typical things that you'd be able to do with a product so i will say that there are ways around almost everything if you're willing to put the time and effort into it i've done three different radio campaigns now i'm currently in negotiation with a major radio station to get a a fourth one there are ways around things as long as you find someone that's willing and you understand the law but it's not fun yet. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like you as a marketer trying to be creative, but then also almost needing a lawyer right beside you to kind of like walk you through everything that you actually can and can't do. So <laughs> social media is the one place that you really can define your brand. You're okay. not supposed to sell on social media anyways, from a marketing standpoint, and you're not allowed to sell on social media from a cannabis standpoint. Okay. And I say that with an asterisk and quotey fingers because the regulation versus the execution of what am I trying? Like people monitoring and actually getting you in trouble. Yeah. Enforcement. enforcement that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Thank you. The enforcement of it is, is somewhat non-existent. Certainly the budgets for it don't exist yet. Right. So people are getting away with things, but social media is a place that you can show your sense of humor, show your commitment to community, show your positioning in the marketplace. Certainly that's, that's an area we can do. And can I plug my social media? Yeah, absolutely. At stigma grow S T I G M A. G-R-O-W, I recommend the Instagram account. 
if you like memes, stuff like that, that meme I showed you earlier, yeah. that's, that's the Instagram account. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put that on, on the website too. Okay. So we've been dealing with marijuana cannabis story since, you know, obviously since the liberals came in, they did promise to legalize it and they've, they've done that. So yeah. it's been a few years of kind of going through all this and we have legal cannabis that we can smoke. We have the edibles coming out, the extracts, the topicals. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, is that everything or, or like, what is, is there something that we look at and say, Oh, the next step will be this. Well, I think the next step will be microdosing psychedelics, but the next step for cannabis specifically mm-hmm. is just the evolution of all these products. I think we're going to start seeing some brands emerge as leaders. We're going to start seeing some people that maybe shouldn't be in the space or have not negotiated the terms of their business or the strategy of their, of their business. Well, exit stage left, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of those will be the small business owners that, that truly the legislation tried to support, but then the reality of the process really did push out. But yeah, I, th- I think we'll see that. And then like any market, competition will drive in the area of price and quality. Yeah. So I think we can really start getting excited. I know I've had a lot of closed door covered by NDA discussions for some stuff that's up and coming, but without giving too much away, the effectiveness of what you're doing the guarantee that you will get the effect that you're looking for, some of the science behind being able to pick the perfect product for your cannabinoid system, which sounds complex and it is, but is rewarding as heck, especially for older generations or for anybody. If, if you want to smoke cannabis be specifically to give you the munchies, because for whatever reason, you've got issues with appetite or specifically to put you to sleep or specifically for anxiety with none of the other stuff that you don't like about it. We're getting there. And the only way to get there is through the science of testing your own DNA and how it interacts with cannabis. But I'm excited for a lot of stuff to come. Yeah. And of course, with every year, these stigmas around cannabis tend to fall off a little more. Absolutely. And I, to me, it's about having the conversations and it is good. I like having you know you come in and, and explain to me because I know virtually nothing about it, except for when a buddy says, here, have this. So it's nice to kind of be able to ask the questions and, and see where the industry is and, and where it's going. And I think, you know, like you said, with the older people, my parents, to be able to kind of have an educated, informed conversation with them, I think is is really good. And then, yeah, I guess in a couple of years, we'll be talking about mushrooms. Yeah, I think sooner than later. Really? If we look at Colorado, which tends to lead the world in this type, well, I don't know about the world, but certainly the, the Western world, they just decriminalized. And I believe approved grants for scientific research yeah. surrounding PTSD, anxiety, some some brain issues that that really can be helped by some of the compounds in in psychedelics. So, I was watching a little bit of a documentary this morning on on that with soldiers and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, wow. And same thing, like you were talking about with all the different drugs that they were taking, like they were showing like these medicine cabinets full of these drugs, and they just they had film of them when they were on these drugs and they just looked like zombies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they started doing this research with, you know, with mushrooms and, and those types of things. And the help that it gave those guys was like unbelievable. It was a 180. There's tons of alternative, not just plant medicine, but alternative treatment therapies that could genuinely help a lot of people. And the problems around not being able to find funding for great ideas because the person that has the inferior idea has the money and the lobbyists to keep you down yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. But as a province, 
we're actually really good at finding new therapeutical treatments. There's actually, uh, I'm going to do another plug for the Branch Out Foundation. Check that out, Branch Out Foundation. But they specifically go after money to fund new treatments capable of getting around, you know, the lobbyists and, and, and heavy hands of, of alternative treatments, stuff with magnets, stuff for kids, stuff with this type of psychedelic drugs. It's, it's crazy what they're able to do. That's cool. Thanks for coming in again. No problem. This was great. When you come next time, we're going to, I think we're going to dive a little bit deeper into a specific topic. Is that right? Yeah. So I think next time we come to talk extracts, we can dive a little deeper on how they're made the differences between some. I mean, I'll be honest, I had tried shatter and hash and dry flour and oil and butter and everything. I, I never really understood the difference, I guess. And the guy that handed it to me was not wearing a lab coat, I assure you, <laughs> but I just sort of accepted. But again, there, there's a lot of differences between them that, that's nice to know, especially when you start comparing products from different providers and that. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the process of making them and, and what you need to know in order to judge the differences between them. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. No problem. All right. Cheers. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Kondrat. I'm the host of the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Each week, I have a conversation with community builders and entrepreneurs who have inspired me personally. For more information on this podcast, please visit letsmeetforabeer.com. And for information on other projects I'm working on, please visit albertabeerfestivals.com. Thanks again for your support. Remember to tune in next week for another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Bye.